start by saying, you know, the entire Raiders organization's thoughts and prayers are with the family of Tina Tintor are deeply saddened by this tragedy and it's affected a, a number of people. The life's been taken and we can't get it back and uh, just want to know our thoughts are with her family. I'll start with questions. Honestly, with, with what we were told, I just didn't know if we were able to. Haven't reached out. I will always be here for him. That won't change and I'll prove that over the course of time to him, uh, not to anybody else. Uh, but he needs people to love him right now. He's probably feeling a certain type of way about himself right now and he needs to be loved. And uh, if no one else will do it, I'll do it. Boom, said, that's the one. I should know this one. I should. I, I, I've heard the song before in my life. Just uh, guess. The Who. It's The Who. Hey, that's like five in a row. I am killing it today. Look at that. I'm on fire. I am absolutely on fire. So we are up to 14. Uh, Rolling Stones tickets are coming later this hour. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, now, in the NFL, Odell Beckham has been released. Uh, Field Yates tweeted out every NFL team's cap space at the moment. There are 12 teams that have over $5 million in cap space. The Raiders are not one of those teams. They did, however, create an extra million dollars this morning by restructuring Jalen Richard's contract. Uh, the Jaguars have the most all the way up at 28 million dollars uh but if odell beckham does in fact clear waivers he'll be able to sign with whoever he wants what the hell's the market gonna be on odell beckham like is he gonna get a significant contract or prorated at least for the end of this season he's a malcontent first of all i'm really impressed that uh jalen richard did something to give the raiders a shot <laughs> Uh, Odell no, Beckham. No, we're going to break. Get... We're not, no, we're not going to top that. No, that's it. We're we closing done? the show. Are we done for the rest of the day? <laughs> the, uh, yeah, no. the Raiders don't have the cap space, obviously. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to get more than what the Raiders have available. There, there are teams desperate enough out there that are going to believe that they can unlock uh, Odell Beckham Jr. They they remember Odell from the Giants. I don't think he's going to get a huge contract prorated over the rest of the year, right? But why, if you're Odell, would you take some sort of minimum salary on the idea that you're just going to come win someplace? Frankly, if you're Odell, I think what you're doing is trying to go to the place where you can ball out the most, right? Or you can put up the biggest stats possible and show that you still have something left in the tank and go get a big contract this offseason. Like, I don't think that it's something where a winning team is necessarily going to jump out of their shoes to bring him in either because, as Jared said, uh, the, the word malcontent has been used. When you say a team that he can ball out, do you have one in mind? Why, if you're Odell Beckham Jr., would you not go to a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars that's going to be throwing the ball constantly, right? Like, they could claim him. They're going to have the chance to claim him. Uh, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and you could just have Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball up to you the rest of the year, and they're going to have to throw because they're going to be behind in every game, I don't have any problem with that if I'm Odell. Why? What? What's wrong with that? Uh, if you want to go win a championship, that's great, but you're not going to reestablish your value as all caps Odell Beckham Jr. as the number three receiver in the Chiefs offense. Yeah, that's a... 
that's a fascinating it's a fascinating point you bring up about what Odell Beckham values because like listen the the Ravens have basically no cap space but that's a team that if you're Odell Beckham hey go to the Ravens you might be able to win something win a Super Bowl play in the playoffs like the Chiefs are a team that don't have much cap space either you know there's a lot of teams out there that don't have a ton of cap space that you could go to and have a legitimate chance to win there's a couple of teams that do have some cap space that maybe you could win something the Chargers exist out there right now the Bengals if you believe in them the Titans have a decent amount of cap space um but it's fascinating like what is important to Odell Beckham like is it important that he just goes and tries to win something the second half of this season or like you said is it more important that he can just put up some monster numbers even if it's with Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence throwing it 40 times a game because they're losing a lot I that's that's interesting so as a Giants fan you think Odell Beckham's going to value more the chance to put up monster numbers than the chance to win if you look at the history of Odell Beckham Jr., you'll see that he became discontented in New York and did some things to help hasten his exit. And it obviously deteriorated pretty quickly between him and Baker Mayfield in Cleveland based on what we've seen. So what is it that we've seen out of Odell Beckham Jr. that says winning is the only thing, right? What is it? Nothing. Go back to his days with the Giants and the battles he had with Josh Norman when Josh Norman was the best corner in the league in Carolina. It was all about them individually and getting penalties and getting kicked out of the game. I want to believe in Odell Beckham Jr. because as a Giants fan, I loved having him on the team and the possibilities that he gave that offense. But we haven't seen that Odell Beckham Jr. in quite a long time. So I guess the question is, in the eyes of Odell Beckham Jr. and in the eyes of the league, what reestablishes your value? going in and getting three catches a game for the Kansas City Chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens and hoping that someone sees that you can function within that organization? Or is it going out and having a bunch of eight or nine catch games for 150 yards and everybody's saying, oh, yeah, see, it was just the Baker couldn't get him the ball. Am I wrong in thinking the Chargers make the most sense here? This is a team that has the sixth most cap space right now. This is a team that has a good young quarterback that'll throw the ball down the field. You could put up monster numbers there, even though Keenan Allen still exists. Not like you'd be the number one default there. And also it's a team that might have a shot here of making a run into the playoffs. Like that's the one that jumps out to me is making the most sense. Yeah, I absolutely could see that. And Odell Beckham Jr. would kind of slide in between my two examples there because he would not be the number one receiver for the Chargers, but he wouldn't be an afterthought either. He goes in as the number two guy uh, in front of Mike Williams in the uh, the L.A. Chargers offense, and oh, ju- you know that Justin Herbert can make him look good. Uh, so we do have some news on the uh, Giants uh, from ESPN. Saquon Barkley is not going to play this week. He was not out at the open portion of practice He is back with the team. It was a false positive COVID test for Saquon Barkley. So he is actually back at the facility. Uh, Joe uh, Joe Judge apparently said before practice, a guy who's been out for several weeks like that, yeah, we'd like to see him on the field. So it sounds like the Raiders are going to play Saquon or play a Giants team without Saquon Barkley. In the idea of running backs and how much they matter, and obviously we're going to see Derrick Henry, the one who might matter the most, not playing this week for the Titans, this impact anything for you? Were you just not expecting Saquon Barkley to play this entire week anyway? Fourth consecutive game missed for Saquon Barkley. And what you didn't mention in there is that prim- primarily the reason he's not coming back is that ankle injury. Uh, the COVID thing was going to keep him out, but the Giants still aren't convinced that that ankle is right for Saquon Barkley. And no, running backs 
do not matter uh, in the NFL if you're not Derrick Henry. So for the Giants, they've been functioning without him. And the Raiders are going to know the running back on the other side very well because it's Devontae Booker. So it was never going to be determined for the Giants in terms of how they could perform against the Raiders on whether Saquon Barkley was in there. It's going to be whether they can keep Daniel Jones upright against Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, and whatever else uh, Gus Bradley decides to throw at them. Um, all right. Which coach do you think has had more struggles with their headset this year? Oh, for God's sake. Joe Judge or Rich Basaccia? Because Rich Basaccia, interim head coach, he had been the special teams coach before, and apparently he didn't have to wear a headset as a special teams head coach before and said his biggest problem in his first game as head coach was trying to figure out how to work the headset because, eh, you got to press a button to talk. There's apparently a cough button. There's a lot. Meanwhile, Joe Judge said this. Every single stadium this year, home and away, I've had issues personally. Is that your staff? Look, I, I don't know. Look, I, I don't want to make this all about headsets. We have things. I'd say this. Whoever's in charge of it, whoever the guys who – Look, Jordan, I don't know the exact answer. I don't think that comes more through the league or us exactly, but they better fix it fast. Yeah, that's it. That's, uh, look, I'll get you all the details and stuff later on who does all that stuff. You know, we get the communication back. We say, hey, listen, these things have been an issue, and then we get told they've adjusted this, they've done this, they've done this, whatever it is. Like like I said, we've tried to adjust and use different hardware. It hasn't been allowed, so we'll keep on moving on. Again, look, I don't want to make this about the stupid headsets. That's not what this is about. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't the factor in the game. we got to do other things on our own to make sure we have success. He tried to move on three times and then brought himself back to the question. Uh, is the winner of this game the team that operates their headsets the best, Adam? I was feeling good this morning. <laughs> I had to hear that again. Uh, no, you the the joke right off the bat. You you stuck the landing, and we should have like we should have just gone to the scorers table there, but we needed to keep doing the segment. Um, Joe Judge is thirty nine years old. Rich Passaccia is 61 years old. <laughs> We're going to give a break to Grandpa if he can't work the headset the first time he ever has it on. Uh, Joe Judge has shamefully been the head coach of the New York Giants for one and a half seasons now. And so there's no excuses. Oh, well, wait a second. Oh, yes, there are excuses. That's right, because even though we're not going to blame it on the headsets, we're going to keep bringing it up over and over again. Welcome to the John Gruden School of Interviews, where you say, I'm not going to talk about that. And then you talk about it over and over and over again. Shut up about the headsets. Shut your stupid <laughs> mouth about the headsets. Your team sucks. They could all have headsets. You could have a microphone and a speaker in every helmet. They could talk to each other during the play. The running back could talk to the lineman and say, go block that guy in front of me. And the lineman could say, okie dokie, bud. And they still wouldn't beat anybody. <laughs> Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Throwing out random numbers authoritatively is the best way to pass as a baseball expert. Bischoff's Briefs. By the way, it's commendable how many baseball players care so deeply about the Equal Rights Amendment. Bischoff's Briefs. Somebody get me some antibiotics because that ball is gonorrhea. Bischoff's Briefs. This is The Who. Adam. 
have, Adam? I don't know. I'm letting it run. Hold on. Stones. Adam is correct. This is Monkey Man, which, if you recall, Wednesday was one of our uh, potential baseball nicknames. Monkey Man. Interesting. Still perfect. Uh, So we are up to 15. That snaps my streak. I think I had gotten four in a row, maybe five in a row, right? That's unfortunate. Snaps the streak. Uh, We only have one more before we give away Rolling Stones tickets around 945. Please, caller number 18. Uh, yeah, we are up to at least caller 15. We could be at caller 18 if Cassie Soto and I can also guess uh, the correct answer. I'm assuming Adam's going to get the next one right as well. So 945 Rolling Stone tickets uh, will be coming to somebody. Uh, now, UNLV football plays this weekend. And oh boy, they got a shot to win. They got a shot to snap this losing streak and not have the longest losing streak in UNLV football history. They are currently 0-8 this year. They are 0-14 overall under Marcus Arroyo. The longest losing streak in UNLV history is 16 straight games. If they lose today, they'll be one away from tying that. They play Hawaii at home next week. And then they host San Diego State. And if they lose all three, that would be the game. That would break the program record for most consecutive losses. They are well over 700 straight days without having a win in football, which is the program record. But they might be able to beat New Mexico. New Mexico is favored by a point and a half. They are coming off a win. Two weeks ago, they beat Wyoming 14-3. to had a bye week. New Mexico's three and five this year, but just one and three in the Mountain West. That went over Wyoming is their only conference win of the season. Now, the point spread is one and a half. SP plus Bill Conley of ESPN, his uh, sort of analytics model that runs through college football. He has New Mexico, I think it's 5.2 and a 62% chance to win this game. So SP plus is a little less favorable to UNLV. If you look at SP plus and break down the actual units here, New Mexico's offense is horrific. They are 126th on offense this year by SP plus for comparison, UNLV whose offense has been bad is 116th. So UNLV actually a little bit better offensively than New Mexico this year, but UNLV's defense ranks 119th, whereas New Mexico's ranks 80. Ninth, So it's not a good defense by New Mexico, but it is uh, closer to competent, closer to average on the defensive side of the ball. And their one win in conference play, uh, they held Wyoming to three points. But there is some hope here because of how bad New Mexico's offense is that UNLV can be in a low scoring game. UNLV's run defense has been probably the most solid part of the team all season. Uh, So you slow down New Mexico, make them pass a little bit. And you've got a shot here against New Mexico to win a low-scoring game. I think two issues here. Number one, you're playing in a low-scoring game, potentially a one-possession game here. We have seen UNLV lose many one-possession games this year because they simply haven't been good enough. They've made critical mistakes, whether it's been a guy like Charles Williams fumbling or some interceptions from 18 of the different quarterbacks they've used or whether it's been on the coaching side where Arroyo doesn't take advantage of a potential extra possession at the end of a half, or you got a seven minute drive to end the game and you run out of time. Like 
they've had plenty of mistakes in one possession games. It doesn't really make you think they'd pull it out in this situation. But generally speaking, you play enough one possession games, you're going to win close to half of them, even though that hasn't been the case for UNLV. The second thing, curious what the quarterback situation is. We have not seen Doug Brumfield back. Uh, maybe it's fair to just assume Doug Brumfield is not going to play because he has been injured for so long. And also when he has played, he has yet to make it through an entire game. But I do think Doug Brumfield gives them a better shot to win than Cameron Friel, even though Cameron Friel has been better uh, the last few games. I think Brumfield gives them the best shot to win. And that might be the difference. Cameron Friel versus Doug Brumfield. Brumfield might make one more play that leads to, you know, field goal range or even a touchdown instead of a field goal over the course of the game. And that could be the difference in UNLV winning a close game versus losing a close game. I am not going to be as confident. I've already, I've already blown that once this year when I was very confident two weeks out, they were beating Utah state. They were ending the streak. Utah state wasn't any good. UNLV probably should have won that game because Utah state didn't play very well, but UNLV still found a way to lose that one. So I'm not giving you the all out confident UNLV will win but I think they've got a legitimate shot to do it this week. I think this is the last three games on the schedule. They could beat Hawaii too, but I think this is the one. If they don't get this one, they're 0-12. The problem for me in picking UNLV is coaching. We haven't seen that Marcus Arroyo can manage the end of a close game, and I think this is probably going to be a close game. I believe UNLV should and probably will win this game because of the fact that they have an offense that can be dynamic under the right circumstances, and New Mexico hasn't scored more than 14 points <laughs> since September 11th. Literally, September 11th since New Mexico State. So UNLV should be the right side in this game. I would love to play the UNLV money line here. It was a short plus price. But again, that drive, the seven-minute drive in the last game at Allegiant, that saw UNLV run the clock out is just spurned into my mind right now. It's hard for me to get away from that. It's hard for me to believe that the Rebels are going to be able to manage the end of a close game. So if I if you bet UNLV money line and they get the ball back with six minutes and 30 seconds down by three, you're not feeling confident? Mm. <laughs> How about down by two? How about down by two? And I know that Marcus Arroyo can play for a field goal. Can play for that? That might work. You can't play for the field goal. That would have worked last time if they could have played for the field goal. Granted, the time ran out. Maybe it would have anyways. But it is, uh, yeah, it's a, there is, there's been some play. There have been some games and there have been some stretches of this team's actual play on the field that makes you, can, you can get a little bit of confidence. You can say, yeah, they've, they've looked okay. They've looked decent in some moments, in some spots that makes you think, okay, you're going to play another bad Mountain West team. New Mexico's not going to come in here and be awesome. Like, New Mexico's not good. It's not Nevada. They're not blowing you out just because their quarterback's better than anybody else you can put on the field. Like, that's not going to happen with New Mexico. You shouldn't get blown out. So there have been moments where, okay, you know, he's played well enough that when they play another bad Mountain West team, they should have a shot, but it is, it's pretty devastating that you basically come out here and say, Hey, the right side should be UNLV UNLV money line should be a good bet, but you can't do it because of the coaching. Like that's a, that's a brutal place to be. If you're UNLV football right now. Well, I guess as much as we hear Marcus Arroyo talk about getting up off the mat and you know, whatever motivational book he read from that week that he's speaking about, like we're going to find out about if Marcus Arroyo has gotten up off the mat and learned. Uh, this is a time where we can say 
go back to that seven minute drive and say, did Marcus Arroyo learn anything from the clock management on that drive? Because he is a second year head coach and this has not been his responsibility for all of his years in college football. So I'm willing to give him that. I'm willing to give him that you can learn and you can improve, but you got to see it. You have to see it. It's the same way you need to see the players on the field improve. You need to see the coach improve at the parts of the job that he's new at. Uh, to bring in something that you and I don't really talk much about, intangibles, uh, Mike Ramallah, er earlier in the week when we talked to him about UNLV football, he sort of brought up the idea that you know, they had been close. They had lost a bunch of one possession games in a row. And Marcus Arroyo, he'd even complimented his guys for for getting back up off the map, for continuing to fight, for being so close. But then they lost 51 to 20. They lost by 31 points to their in-state rival in Nevada. And the point Mike Ramallah brought up was he doesn't know if they can come back from that, that if that was enough of an emotional blow where, hey, they had been so close for so long just to see the win, just to see, oh, wow, this actually works. This actually can lead to a win. But then you have the massive blowout loss in the biggest game of the season. It's an intangible. It's not something that I really put too much stock into, but I think that might be real when you're looking at a team that's 0-8 in terms of you know quitting or not having the motivation to be like, yeah, this just doesn't work anymore for us. Maybe under Tony Sanchez, maybe under Bobby Houck, maybe under Mike Sanford, Marcus Arroyo has made clear he does not value the Reno game. And so I don't know that his team values the Reno game the same way that previous Rebels have. I don't know that getting blown out of that game is necessarily the end of the line for UNLV. I said it early in the week that I thought the way they lost that game has to give you pause about the progress that UNLV was making. I agree with that entirely. Do I think it means that against a clearly, clearly far worse team in New Mexico that UNLV's talent can't go out there and be the difference in that game? No, I really think that can happen. So I'm not really ready to write off the Rebels yet with the next two weeks of games that they have. They win these two games, and you at least walk out of this season with players not diving for the transfer portal to get off a winless team. So you think losing by 31 to Nevada is kind of the same as when they lost to Arizona State by like four touchdowns earlier this year, that there's nothing more special because that is a rivalry game? I'm saying that the coach has told them that. Yeah. I'm not saying every player believes that. Charles Williams doesn't believe that. But there are a lot of players on that team who are new, who are transfers, who are young kids, who have never been in the rivalry before. They've never had it built up for them before. So I don't know that they care the same way about the game that a kid who's been in the program four or five years has because who sets the culture? It's the head coach. So if Marcus Arroyo doesn't value that game at the same level that previous coaches or longtime players have, then maybe it doesn't affect them the same way. All I need for them to do, load the slot machine up, get it to Albuquerque. That needs to be a traveling part of UNLV football. That They might have to pay for an extra truck to get it out there. Traveling part of the team. Didn't you say it weighs like five tons? Don't care. Get it out there. I don't think it's five tons. <laughs> I don't think that's yeah, a no. 10,000 pound <laughs> yeah, slot machine. Yeah, yeah. I realized how dumb it was as soon as it came out of my mouth. <laughs> Coming up next, Cassie Soto joins the show. It's the only thing in her life she could call an engagement. Raiders.com's Cassie Soto joins the press box for her weekly hit. Rolling Stones. Stones. Cassie? Uh, who? 
It is the Rolling Stones. So that means what? Caller number 17. 17. Yes. So, Caller 17 after this yeah. segment. And about 10, 12 minutes, we will give away Rolling Stones tickets to caller number 17. But joining us now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cassie Soto. How you feeling, Cassie? <laughs> I'm feeling good, guys. So, all right. You got proposed to. Uh, you said yes. Uh, I God, guess it would have been funny had she said it no. It would have been great if you had said no. That would have been great. Um, so, all right. You just tweeted out a picture of it in, like, a bucket of candy. So, did he propose to you by giving you a bucket of candy with a ring in it? Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, we were handing out trick-or-treaters, handing out candy to trick-or-treaters, and I was the one, like, mostly handing out the candy so at the end of the night when we were cleaning up he goes well wait like i didn't get to hand out any candy so he knew like i'm a dork and would go outside so i went outside our front door and i knocked on the door and said trick or treat and when i opened it there he was with on one knee with the ring and the candy and and he said some sappy stuff and i said yes Wow. Wait, so wait, did you, when you were like, oh yeah, I'll go outside and ask for some candy, did you have any idea right then? Not a clue. Oh. No clue. <laughs> he totally oh. surprised me. I, he, he, afterwards, he had told me like he had been trying to do it all week, but had no idea like, how to do it. <laughs> he needed to do it now. So he came up with that, that idea like 10 seconds before it happened, I guess. And it's so funny I guess guys don't think about these things, but obviously everybody's asking us, like, how did he do it? How did he do it? And he goes, I didn't realize that was a common question wait, that wait people a ask. I didn't know people wanted to know how I asked. Wait a second. Hold on. Guys don't plan these things. I spent an entire day driving around Maui paying off bartenders and hosts to make sure mine was set up, like, exactly the way that I wanted it. <laughs> no, it, he said he had just thought of it, like, as we were starting to clean up and because we both had taken the week off. Uh, our, so our, anniversary, our 10-year anniversary was on the 23rd, but the Raiders had played that Sunday, so we took off the following week, and we went on all these dates, and we saw all these different shows. We went to the Bellagio, the, the, um, the conservatory, and I was like, man, these are all really great places that he could do it. <laughs> and he did it. So I was like, it's, not, it's for sure not happening. And then he's like, yeah, I couldn't let you go back to work without the ring. <laughs> He said, "He said I, I knew he wanted to say, like, I couldn't let you get slandered by Tyler and Ed and Adam and Jared anymore. Yes, let's go. Afterwards, so, yeah. You guys pressured him into it. <laughs> Not me, you guys. So, wait, is are you going to have, are you just going to kind of fuse this, like, this two-week period now into your anniversary because you've, you're like, well, we got engaged sort of a little bit after. Well, once you get married, that becomes Yeah, I know. So, it's, I, well, we don't know. We don't know if. Cassie's one of those crazy people that's like, no, we celebrate the day that we officially made it official. No, no. That's like, that. imagine hitting the restart button now. Like, I've got 10 years into this. No way. We're just <laughs> continuing on. So, uh, wait a second. Now, we have a ring, which yeah. I understand the significance of that. Uh, do, do Are we sure we have a wedding planned? Is there a date? Is there is there a time, a place? Like, what what do we know? I, uh, my sister came over the next day and started asking me all these questions, and my head was going to explode. Oh. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, I just wanted the ring. Like, I didn't know more stuff came after this. <laughs> I was just so focused on getting the ring. Do you even want to marry like, this man, guy? Now I, now I have a wedding to plan. <laughs> wedding planning Cassie might be better yeah. than not engage Cassie on the show. It's 
giving me a pan- like there's so I didn't there's so many things to consider. And us both being Hispanic, we have like 3,000 family members. Which is going to be really so, awkward because you're going to have to like cut some of them in order to make sure Tyler, Ed, and I get to go to this <laughs> wedding. <laughs> Thanks, Jared. Oh, yeah, Adam, too. <laughs> See, Adam, I, I thought you were part of the family. I, no, I, no, I quickly got cut. That was impressive. <laughs> that was the easiest cut that you made the whole time. Uh, Cassie, here's what I think. I think you should outsource some of the things for this wedding and make it a little bit easier on yourself. For example, we know that Mike Gramala is your food soulmate. Um, <laughs> I think Gramala should do the catering. <laughs> All right. Do you think he brought any chicken, uh, buffalo chicken wings back from Buffalo? Yes, but only Buffalo Wild Wings ones. Um, buffalo, yeah. So Buffalo Wild Wings will be catering your event. It'll actually be, what does he like, Jared? Is it Chili's? The Chili's unseasoned nope, chicken? Nope, nope. It is Outback Steakhouse. Outback, Outback. They apparently have very unseasoned chicken. So that'll be your uh, meal for everybody. <laughs> unseasoned <laughs> chicken for 3,000 people. Yes. Um, okay. He's just in the kitchen going, dryer, rubbery. <laughs> Uh, an important question because you were on this show a couple weeks ago. You were hyping up, or Ed was hyping up, the present you got your boyfriend for your anniversary. <laughs> You're actually going to ask. They ended up being tickets to go see Canelo Alvarez. Did he buy you a ring because you got him those tickets? No. He said he's had it since, like, September. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he had it. He had it before i think i think he actually said he got it a couple days before i bought the ticket the tickets went on sale for canelo so no he was not trying to one-up me did you check receipts to make sure he was telling the truth he hasn't showed me any receipts actually (laughs) (laughs) so no i'm just gonna take his word here uh Um, i I know at one point you were wondering if he knew your ring size did the ring fit it's a bit it's big it's a little big (laughs) it's it's it is big i'd rather it be a little big than too small and fat finger like not okay. be able to put it on or something is there something up with your face where you keep pressing buttons is it you're smiling it, no, thank you jared always a good question to ask a woman is there something up with your face <laughs> no, okay but what i meant was is are you smiling and hitting the button that's exactly what's happening there you go smiling and hitting the button um, i'm sorry and i keep looking at it too because it, I, I keep thinking i'm gonna hit mute on accident which i also do sometimes and that doesn't make for good radio but no, neither does and, pressing buttons with my cheeks, so my bad. Sorry, guys. Uh, so in terms of creating good radio, I'm so disappointed for you that Ed isn't here for you to gloat a bit. But here's my question. Uh, what has been your interaction with Ed Graney after getting the ring? So he texted, He texted. Uh, I was going to say boyfriend, which is weird. It's still real weird to say fiance. fiance. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So the guy, the guy and I at like 4 a.m. So I'm assuming when he woke up for the show the next day and he was like, all, all foolishness aside, congratulations, guys. And that's, that's been about it. So I haven't seen him. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if he if he tries to give me any grief the next time I see him. I don't know. Wait a but minute. I think, Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. So you you sent the picture to both Ed and I at the same mm-hmm. time. I didn't get the picture. Uh, at 10.50 p.m. So you think he was already asleep at 10.50 p.m.? He had to have been, right? Okay. I mean, I was still awake. I had to do a show in the morning, too. But he didn't respond I... until the morning? Yeah, until the next morning. Jeez. Oh, Ed Graney so, over so here. So Tyler, Tyler just moved to the top of the list for the wedding. That's right. That's right. I'm getting the first one. All, Jared, you're cut, too. Get the hell out of here. I didn't even get the text. <laughs> Yeah, get out of here. Um, is he allowed to go play soccer on Christmas now? You know what's so funny? He has a soccer game today, 
but my parents, we all want to go to dinner. <laughs> we can't go play soccer today. It's already happening. Unbelievable. Let the I man know. go play soccer, Cassie. You finally got your ring. What else do you want from him? I know. I know. It's so bad. I was like, oh, man. Because the league just ended. So I was like, oh, maybe they'll take a break. But the league starts right back up. Yeah. So, Cassie, I have a question for you. So, you're now engaged to be married after 10 years. Who does that leave next on the list of people who have been with their significant other for a long time and are not engaged? I feel like the pressure's off you and now clearly squarely on someone else's shoulders. Has to be. Man, right? No pressure. I, listen, I've been dating my girlfriend longer than Cassie's been dating hers. But where are you guys at? We're like two months ahead of you. Oh, come on. Yeah. Been good. Why would How I long, get, When well, did you meet her? What age were you when you met her? Oh, well, that's a fun story because we actually went to uh, school together in fourth grade. Oh, okay. You beat us. We met in seventh grade. Uh, but then, like, she moved away and then came back to Mississippi for college, and we, like, re-met and then started dating. Did, what, did she say anything, or was she like, eh, she still never brought me crumble cookies, so I don't care what happens to her? Um, What did she say? I can't remember. I don't know. I showed her a picture of the ring. I think she was more interested in the candy around the ring than the actual ring. I thought you guys were going to ask me about that, about my candy selection that I was handing out to the kids. I thought we were going to do a candy power ranking. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was actually looking at the ring. I don't even know what candy. All right, I got it. Milk Duds, Rolos, Whoppers, Starburst, Kit Kat. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I don't see any real there's problems Reese's. here. There's Reese's in there. Yeah, there's one, there's one Reese's. I don't see any real problems here. These are all, like, high damage to bad teeth. Like, if you already, if you're a kid with bad teeth, these are all things that are going to rip your fillings out. Jolly Rancher in there, too. <laughs> Jolly Rancher's pretty high on that list as well. Yeah, so there's there's your candy. I, I don't know. The candy's in there, I guess. Which, which did you eat any of this candy with your ring on? Uh, I think after, I was just so focused on the ring afterward. Nothing else mattered, so no. Uh, has it fallen off your finger yet? Like, have you almost lost it yet? No, but I'm so afraid. We on one of our bathrooms, it's missing the little sink, the drainage stoppage thingy. So I'm terrified that it's going to fall down the sink. So I have to take it off every time I wash my hands. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just like like a healthy practice. You should probably take it off every time you wash your hands. Yeah, that seems like a pain every time I don't, you wash like, your hands. Like in public, no way. I'm not putting it on a public public bathroom counter yeah i look no forward chance. i look forward to you dropping it and i don't know scratching it up or something that'll oh, be a fun I'm day terrified. on the show it's a huge responsibility <laughs> she's gonna drop it in the raiders ladies restroom that's right but it'll be rescued by those toilet paper or toilet seat <laughs> covers that she made sure to get it in there be, it will be well she is cassie soto um should we stop calling you cassie soto Nah. Okay. She's Cassie Soto. Gotta get a new intro, though. At some point. We'll see if it's real. Uh, we got to see it in person here. (laughs) Okay. So now all we have to make fun of her about is uh, just... Everything else in her life. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Cassie. (laughs) Thanks, guys. All right, here we go. We got a pair of Rolling Stones tickets to give away. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. What, What did we get up to? 17? Yes, 702-364-1100. We're going to take caller number 17 if you want to go see the Rolling Stones 
out at Allegiant Stadium. 702-364-1100. Caller number 17. How is it compared to what you thought it was going to be like? I mean, what's it, what's the experience like? Not just the game experience, but in general, living the NBA life. Yeah, honestly, I would say it's not as different as I anticipated it to be. Because, you know, whenever you whenever you get something that you want, when you finally get it, you want something else. Like, all I ever wanted was to make it to the NBA. Now I'm here. Now I want, I want to be an all-star. Now, then I want to be a Hall of Fame. Like, you know, you, you know the saying, if you give a pick a pancake, then you want some syrup. Basically. You're locked in the press box. This is the who. That is correct. Oh, I'm rolling. Absolutely rolling. Um, I also apparently pulled an extra song. So, well, yeah, that's what happens here. Uh, that rejoin you heard was Moses Moody talking about his experience being in the NBA. Um, congratulations, by the way, to Russell, who won the tickets to go see the Rolling Stones. Adam, have you ever heard the phrase, if you give a pig a pancake, then he's going to want some syrup? I feel like if you give a pig a pancake, it should be a children's book. <laughs> give, if you give a mouse a cookie, I believe. Is. No, it is. That is a children's book. That's kind of why I went with that. But, I mean, I, I want you to uh, – all right, let's 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 build this children's book out. <laughs> if you give a pig a pancake, he's going to ask for syrup. If you give him syrup, he's going to ask for – Bacon. Okay, and the book is over. Yeah. <laughs> Just show a, a pig who's eating his own foot. Don't you need, if you're doing a children's book, don't you need to have him ask for stuff that's not syrup until he finally decides, oh, syrup is what I wanted this whole time? Like, we got to build a lesson here of, like, I don't know, what goes good with pancakes? No, the lesson is that you don't ask for a favorite uh, breakfast food made of your own flesh. Listen, Adam, I, I tried to pivot away from the pig asking for his own family for breakfast. Have you oh, it doesn't have to be family. <laughs> what, what if it's some pig he hates? Have you guys seen that video uh, online where the person like throws the KFC out to the pigeons and they just start eating it? No. Okay, well, basically, yeah, birds will eat birds. Maybe pigs will eat pigs. I mean, yes, I have no doubt if you put bacon down, pigs are going to eat it. So but we're doing a kid's book here. All right. So question, since we just had that idea of, you know, you, you want what you want till you got it. And now you want something else. Cassie Soto spent 10, 10 years looking for a ring. Oh, <laughs> what's next? Well, she apparently doesn't want the wedding. Didn't sound. No, like she, she doesn't want to plan it. <laughs> well, she no. doesn't want to plan it at all. Maybe she doesn't actually even want the wedding. No, I don't think she does. Like maybe um, she's just like, I just wanted the ring. The guy is sort of an interchangeable yeah, idea. Yeah. Um, by the way, Adam, you sort of teased a little bit out there a proposal story in Maui of you paying people off. Uh yeah. So when I proposed, uh, and by the way, to my now ex-wife, so don't think that these things necessarily, you know, <laughs> guarantee anything for you. It's just a matter of it was good at the time. Uh yeah, I set up uh on New Year's Eve. I uh, sent my uh, my then girlfriend to get a massage at a fancy uh, resort. I then drove down to a restaurant right on the beach that I knew that we both liked. And I had already been emailing with the manager at the restaurant. But then I basically went in before they opened. It was like, hey, so I, what I want to do is set up like a little scavenger hunt for her um, so that when, you know, at some point she's going to get up and she's going to go, you know, 
go look for one thing. She's going to go to the bar. She's going to go to the host stand. She's going to come back out to the beach and I'll be out there uh, to propose. And I had a wad of cash in my pocket. Um, and I was just ready to pay off bartenders and hostesses. And I did like, I was just like paid off everybody to make sure that they did what I wanted them to do. But th- you have to think about the time that it was when I proposed because I wanted there to be music at every stop, specific music. I had bought multiple like CD Walkmans and brought them with me from Vegas and had set up the Walkman with the CD and ha- and was asking them to like get it to the right track for me. It was very complicated. Thankfully, she still said yes, and we were married for a number of years. Um, but it, it was very deeply involved, and I thought it was going to be this romantic thing. We're on the beach. We're on New Year's Eve. Here's what I didn't know. Um, apparently, the beach in Hawaii is where everyone goes to light off their fireworks on New Year's Eve. <laughs> and so... There are drunk people all around us while I am down on one knee trying to propose to my wife. Um, what? And <laughs> as as I am in the middle of proposing, there is a dude who had been sitting on a lounge chair who walks down to the edge of the ocean, pulls down his pants to piss in the ocean and goes, hey, check out this firework. <laughs> I didn't think he could top the mother-in-law. He did. <laughs> That's uh, that, is that is my that is my New Year's Eve proposal story. Proposed at midnight on New Year's Eve on the beach, Maui, with some friends that I did not expect to be there. <laughs> this is this is a great run of shows for Adam Candy. We got the Rich- Jalen Richard joke. We got the mother-in-law story, and we've got a dude whipping out his penis during his proposal. I mean, yep. I don't know if you felt this in the moment, but I feel like that guy enhanced the proposal. <laughs> oh, it, it it definitely did. It definitely because there's there's you know like proposing on the beach. Yeah, great. Like it's been done, right? Uh, that guy. Uh, then, by the way, a- after the proposal was finished, he's like back with his crew, and then he's probably in his fifties, hippie-looking guy, and he looks over like, "Wait, did you guys get engaged?" Like, yeah. Like, congratulations, brother. Like, she looked at you and said, I guess I'm going to marry the one that isn't got his way. Yeah, well, I think even if she were having doubts about, about marrying me, I think she looked around. And that was a reminder of, like, hey, the options out there aren't necessarily better. <laughs> uh, did the Walkmans work? Did that setup go yeah. well? Yeah, the music actually. Yeah, it actually it, it did work. It was a little clunky. The bar the bartender was a little bit off his game, according to what I heard later. But wow. uh, we pulled it off a little bit off his game. So, moral of the story is: don't plan anything. Just make your girlfriend walk outside and ring the doorbell and be down on a knee waiting for her. That's how you do it, boys and girls.